Hello, welcome back to Why Did Peter Sink? This is part 17 of a series called Whole, Both Body and Soul, subtitle Why I'm Catholic. We're going to wrap up our discussion about Agnes, St. Agnes. Um, we're going to talk to her, talk about her and Abraham, Agnes meets Abraham. So let's get started. In many ways, we are back at a kind of beginning. We're back at a start. Um, like Abraham, like Agnes, we are back to the place where Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldees. We are back to the day that Moses was called out of Egypt. We are back to the Annunciation where Mary said yes to Gabriel. We are back to Christ going into the wilderness to defeat the devil. And we are back to Agnes rejecting her culture and choosing a life of chastity um, and marriage to Christ over the chaos and immoral culture surrounding her. We are back to the place where the calling comes to say no to the culture and yes to God. We are back to where professing Christ's crucifixion and membership in the Catholic Church that Jesus founded is the ultimate countercultural act. We are back to the time when obedience to God and his church are the best way to lose friends and alienate, alienate people, and thank God for that. The time of Agnes was once again, it has once again arrived. Um, it's clear to me that Agnes and Abraham would have much to speak about if they ever ran into each other at a waiting room, say they were at the hospital or a hair, getting a haircut, but it, it would probably be a short conversation. So here's my impression of Agnes and Abraham meeting um, let's say, in the waiting room at the dentist. Uh, Agnes, so Abraham, I hear you had to leave your family and your city and your entire way of life. Abraham, yes, the culture, I just, I had to leave it. Agnes, oh, I, I completely understand. Her phone starts buzzing and she picks it up. Uh, sorry, Abe, someone is calling. Abraham, I know who it is. Agnes, hello, God? Yes, it's me. Fist bump. The end. The struggle today is to come up for air because the culture has this pole that tries to keep us shoved underwater, gasping for air, gasping for beauty, goodness, and truth. Fortunately, the truth always rises. It's like a, it's like a hot air mass. It has to rise. Uh, so no matter how much dancing and singing we can see underwater, we are meant to breathe easy. We eventually come up for air, and we have to fight off the pole, like all of these people trying to keep us underwater. Eventually, you just fight it off by necessity because you have to take a breath. So hardship, suffering, or a death in the family will make us sick and tired of all the gasping. What we really want most of all is to rest in the truth, and his name is Jesus. Okay. I want to do it like a Southern preacher. I really would like to do this, but um, I can't pull it off. As they say in recovery circles, we become sick and tired of being sick and tired. We say, enough nonsense. Give me something real. Enough TV, enough books, enough beer, enough video, enough news. I was just in my car the other day, or uh, I don't know where I was, at a gas station, and Elton John's, I guess that's why they call it the blues, came on, which I've heard my whole life, probably 500 times. If I'd have had a gun, I might have shot the speaker. I don't know. But I was like, I cannot hear Elton John. I guess that's why they call it the blues again. I could say the same thing about some Fleetwood Mac songs. or Anyway, it's not really the point of which band. Um, and I'm not going to 
slam Elton John. I actually like a lot of his songs, but I'm saying at some point, it's just enough of the noise. It's enough of the noise, enough TV, enough video, enough gas station screens while I'm pumping. You know, like, I just want to stop pretending that's what is what is not important is important. I want to rest in something more. I want to be free to love God and follow him and not care who laughs or thinks it's stupid. I want to be open to the Holy Spirit and let it transform how I see everything. So for many years, there was a saying of Jesus that I really stumbled on, and it was, let the dead bury their dead. That confused the heck out of me. But once you experience the conversion of this earthly life, the dead makes incredible sense. Because this life is not all there is. There's so much more that we cannot see but can somehow know because God is impossibly far, but infinitely close to us and part of us. Who can possibly explain that? It's not me, but I can tell you that once it happens, you will know what St. Paul meant when he spoke of seeing dimly through the glass, seeing through a glass darkly, because the reflection of the self will be gone and the world, both physical and spiritual, will then be seen. Here's, this is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide these three, and the greatest of these is love. I actually have a quick story about through a glass darkly. One morning, I was sitting in a room looking at the window and seeing my own reflection because it was still dark outside. And I looked away for a minute, and I looked back, and the sun had just peeked over the horizon. And suddenly, I could see the world outside. And I thought, that reminded me of seeing through a glass darkly. And then we will see face to face. So once that light shines, once that light hits you, you stop seeing yourself in a mirror and you start seeing the world beyond. And then you just go outside and get out of it, get out of the self. That's the key. Getting out of the self, loving God and loving others. Worry about yourself third. Now, what amazes me the most is that some saints come to know this as teenagers. They, they learn this much younger than I did. And others have to wait. And some have to wait until the very moment before they die, like St. Dismas, the good thief who was crucified with Jesus and finds, him, finds Jesus in the final hour, minutes of his life, and he's saved. And that is a great story because that means all of us can find Jesus and come to full forgiveness, full understanding of who he is, and why he is the truth, even in that last minute or nanosecond, something. That should give you hope. That should give you immense hope. Now, if you're some like St. Agnes uh, or Philomena or St. Therese of Lisieux, they find God, they find it way, way early in life. And that's great. And But it's not doesn't happen that way for everyone. So now, when I see someone come up for the air I was talking about when there's the culture's got our, their foot on our head underwater, and you see someone completely change their life, you will witness a miracle. Those people are no longer dead in their sins. 
So when we do come up for air, we get an opportunity to see that the underwater world we thought was real was just an aquarium. The plants are fake. The rocks are artificial. Even the scuba man at the bottom is plastic. Reality must be faced and and powerlessness against time and space is a fact that we are all dealt at some point. We have to face that. Time and space, aging, um, life, our years, we keep going longer. And you start to maybe get wiser as you get older, or maybe you just get tired of hearing Elton John's. I guess that's why they call it the blues. At these moments of inflection in our lives, God is speaking to us, and we get to choose. We get to choose, will we play against him or with him? But we all have to learn this our own way on God's time because nothing can be coerced. It cannot be coerced. Wealthy men, academics, uh, for-profit media, they have preached and prayed for us to submit to the false gods, to the sex god, the money god, the self god, the sports god, telling us that the only way to fulfillment was through our achievements, our affiliations, and our reproductive parts, which we try not to ever use for the actual purpose of reproduction now. Bank accounts and awards and entertainment, they try to console us in our pursuit of false happiness. Pills and plastic devices have been engineered to unengineer the nature of our organs. We are told that the design of our bodies is not for unity and procreation with the obvious complementarity of man and woman that even a child knows, but instead for our only, only for our temporary pleasure. So it's, our bodies are really not much different from a bowl of delicious cinnamon toast crunch, which I no longer keep in the house because I'll eat the whole box. What's most strange is that in our separation of body and soul, the most scientifically minded people who harp on the need for objective reality and truth willingly abandon the noble goal of objective reality like a Soviet scientist in order to be fashionable for the cultural zeitgeist of the moment now. Fads that lack basis in an objective reality have silenced otherwise serious people. Even what is known through the naked eye somehow befuddles modern scientists as the idea of womanhood has proven too hard a nut to crack for academics who are really just shielding themselves, cowardice and timidity. I know all about it. But for, for, for 30,000 years of evolution, which science, you know, that's a sacred idea in science, what was a woman required no diploma to articulate at all. Everyone knew. For most of us who can see the naked emperor, we just say it out loud and can lose our job for doing it now uh, that, oh, that's a woman, you know, or that's a man dressed as a woman. But many academics, even those trained in the hard sciences, insist that the emperor's clothes are glorious. So something is amiss. Something is very off. Follow the science was a quote that came about in the last few years, and it's become as amorphous and shape-shifting as support the troops or the future is female. What we now call, quote, the science is a moving target because real scientists and actual biologists refuse to tell us what a woman is for fear of reprisal. And that is why another St. Agnes is coming. Maybe a whole ton of them. I don't know. I am fairly certain that babies know what a woman is better than professors today because they know their food comes from a woman, from a mother, not a man dressed up as a woman or mutilated to play the part. 
So putting away childish things means living in your body, which is a gift from God for the purpose for which you are born. Anything else is fantasy as much as wishing to be born in another place and time is, or to be taller or better looking. I've certainly drank enough beer trying to be taller and better looking, but it didn't do anything and it didn't work. When I saw dimly through the glass, I saw only my reflection, what I wanted to see in that reflection. But when God calls you, you no longer see the reflection of yourself, but the imago Dei, the image and likeness of God in yours and every other face. And then you can go forth, reborn, without the self, without the self-love sagging you down everywhere. What's sad is seeing so many adults willingly putting on the shock collar of fear. In our fear, afraid not to look progressive enough today, we turn into clams. And growing up in America, I heard the propaganda that only in the Soviet Union would adults have to conform their data to the party line. And surely such a thing, such a thing could never ever happen in america right here it is there's a kind of quietism happening at our universities today in our newspapers um you can't have you can't say certain things because it steps on someone's toes who has like rampant self-love everyone's offended because the false self is just ballooned up into something huge but in this in what's happening today, it's it's the opposite of what was going on with like the mystic meditation where you seek God. Um, there's this there's this seeking of the self and whatever you want it to be. Whereas the mystics and the prayer, you seek God. Um, our great thinkers today are afraid to step anywhere or make a peep for fear of stepping on the devil's toes. They're, they're worried about the devil. How is he going to feel? They don't know that and they wouldn't say that, but that's what they're doing. Of course, this fear has a lot to do with the loss of employment and missing a mortgage payment because job loss is the cudgel that the party line in America uses. Uh, we just don't have Siberian prison camps. We'll just take away your ability to make a living, which is uh, very scary for people. And that's why Agnes will triumph again. Teenage girls have neither the baggage of adults nor the filter. So when the next Agnes discovers who and what she is, she will reject the culture and the culture will attack her because the culture cannot look upon its sins honestly. It can't. It doesn't. It denies sin. It denies God. It denies sin. You cannot sin without denying God. And most wonderful of all about this is the irony. Catholics are mocked for faith in the Eucharist because we say it is the body and blood and soul and divinity of Jesus Christ, who is the incarnation of the creator of the universe. But modern people have more faith in things that cannot happen or do not exist at all. Many highly educated people believe in magical transformations of boys turning into girls by putting on a skirt or in the mysterious bat in China that caused the COVID virus. An animal, of course, that will never, ever be found because it came from a science lab. Now, for this reason, the truth claims of our culture need to be examined and re-examined because many of the claims require as much faith if not more than believing in the 37 miracles performed by Jesus. Frankly, believing in, believing in Jesus walking on water is far easier for me to believe than that teenagers can transform into a cat simply by the act of posting on social media and declaring a feline transformation by attaching a tail. I wish that wasn't, uh, that is actually happening in 2023 and, and 22 and 21. It's been going on for quite a while. Um, 
The problem with this whole sale of what the modern culture is telling us in this postmodern uh, world, the pitch for it is just so weak. The story's so bad. The story is so bad about all of it. Um, what stuns me, especially after my own falling away and returning, is the staying power of the gospel story. And why is that? Well, because it's a better story. It's the greatest story ever told, and I've read a lot of stories. And the problem is once you start to understand the story and really know what it means, it's no longer a story. It is the truth. And Jesus is that truth, the person. Now, the awful story that comes from the modern media and universities and the influencers um, and the dull hook of it all is that through some sexual act or declaration, we will reach the mountain of knowing. Through some pile of money, we'll be happy. Or through some act of the of self-will, we will manifest or self-actualize, to quote Abraham Maslow, the humanist. Um, but we won't. We won't. We won't. Okay? Let's use a, fight, a quote from Fight Club to round this out. I think I've used it before. In Fight Club, Tyler Durden says, We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't, and we're slowly learning that fact, and we're very, very pissed off. That is what's happening. I even remember an Apple ad where Siri, the new, uh, this is quite a while ago now, uh, a young teenager boy, a boy gets his Siri, and he tells Siri that he would like to be called Rock God because he plays guitar. Um, what an illusion. <laughs> and Apple's been selling that for some 20 years um, or more. Anyway, um, there's no need to be angry. That's what I've started to realize and maybe realize a few years ago. Once the post-adolescent teenage angst wears off, the solution is waiting. Once you're tired of your phone calling you rock god, thank you, Apple, Steve Jobs. Um, we're not gods. We're just creatures. Um, the solution is waiting for you when you're done with all that. When you When you can't hear... Elton John sing that same song again for the millionth time. There, This is the good news. There is a solution. There is an answer. And no, it's not a fight club or a bank account full of money or an orgy or a pill. No, it's far stranger than that. The answer is a person. He is a person and you can know him, but you do have to talk to him like any relationship. You can't just um, like, you know, text him on Christmas. You don't need to be angry or join a fight club, but you do have to do something. You have to do one thing. All you have to do is give up everything you thought you knew. And very soon will come another St. Agnes who will show us exactly how to do that. Now in the verse below, we'll close this out with the verse from Matthew. Just substitute the word teenage girl for man. And if you want to change out uh, <laughs> the male pronouns for female to think of Agnes, you will hear once again the ancient message of St. Agnes that cries out to our world today. This is Matthew 16, 24, verses 24 through 27. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Or what shall a man give in return for his life? All right, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for 
being with me on this journey. We're over 100 episodes now on Why Did Peter Sink. I'm not sure how long this will continue, but as long as I can keep writing, having ideas, um, things to share, I feel compelled, compelled to share them. And I appreciate anyone who listens to these episodes. Thanks so much.